So, uh, have you ever had a really lousy day? Anybody? Where, where absolutely nothing went right? Really? Yeah. I, I, I read about a guy who was, uh, he was sitting in a bar looking at, at this drink in his hand, and, and he was sitting like that for like, like an hour as, as folks around him kind of to, started to notice how weirdly he was behaving. And then without warning, this really big tough guy steps right up next to him, grabs the drink out of his hand, gulps it down in one swallow. And the man that was sitting there just burst into tears. There's literal tears. The tough guy said, come on, man, it was just a joke. I'll buy you another drink. I, I can't stand to see a grown man crying. And the guy sitting in the bar said, no, 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 it's, a, it's not the drink. But this has been the worst day of my life. He said, I overslept. I was late for an important meeting. My boss was furious, and so he fired me. I left the office, discovered my car had been stolen. The police said there was not a thing they could do about it. So I took a cab home, and as the cabbie drove off, I realized that my wallet was still in the back seat of the taxi. And just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, I walked into the house, and my wife said she wanted a divorce, and she needed me to leave right now. And so I picked up a few things from my garage, and then I came here, and I've been sitting here for like an hour thinking about taking my life, and then you come along and drink all the rat poison I had left. Sounds like a bad day for both of them, right? <laughs> See, I told you you could laugh on Ash Wednesday. Right? But bad days are common to humanity, right? The Bible never promises our lives will be free from pain and difficulty, does it? But instead, it promises that although we have many trials and tribulations in this life, we have illnesses and setbacks, the secret is knowing the real nature of our problems, and not just what we think they are, but what they really are, and that we ultimately can't fix them ourselves. And then once we know that, knowing who to turn to, and those lessons come directly from the story that I, I just read to you in today's gospel lesson, uh, and they come right on the heels of the story that, that Brother Fred shared with us uh, last Wednesday with the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, who, if you remember, was having a pretty crummy day of her own, Right? So remember, Jesus had been invited over to the house to, to the home of Simon Peter for dinner, uh, where presumably Peter's wife's mother was living with the family, and Jesus shows up. And instead of a great home-cooked meal laid on the table, Peter's mother-in-law is sick and in bed with a fever. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, he just healed her with a, with a word and a touch. And she is, is immediately and completely cured, so much so that she gets up and, and serves dinner. And everything's right with the world for a moment. Except that Peter's hometown, I'm guessing, must have been a whole lot like your over 55 parks because before supper time was over, everybody in the neighborhood knew what had happened inside that house. <laughs> and the whole community started showing up. And they weren't disappointed because Jesus heals every one of them. Everyone that was brought to him whether they were afflicted with diseases or, or with demons, didn't matter. Every patient was seen, and everyone went home healed. And, and you have to figure, Jesus, you know, the whole community we, we read was there, so he probably saw patients late, late, late into the night. And then, you know, shortly after the last one's been put in order and sent on their way, what does Jesus do? 
Well, if I was Jesus, I would have slept until noon the next day. Uh, but Jesus doesn't. He gets up. He gets up, we're told, very early the next morning, and he goes off to pray by himself. And so Jesus is having this great time of private prayer, and all at once Simon Peter catches up to him and basically says, uh, Jesus, what are you doing out here by yourself? Everybody's looking for you. You've got a whole new batch of patients that are lining up in my living room. Let, let's go. But Jesus had other plans, didn't he? He wanted to leave. And so he goes on somewhere else, as, as Brother Fred was telling us last week. Now, no modern-day preacher is ever going to do that, right? Because we want those big crowds. And we want all the excitement that comes with it. Uh, and those crowds that are, that are pursuing big events like that, well, they, they can be mighty fickle. Especially if all they wanted from Jesus was just a quick fix. Just a, just a tune-up so they could go back to the life that they were enjoying without him. Because even though they had been cured completely, they weren't cured permanently, were they? No. no. I mean, I mean, they, they were still going to get sick someday, right? Maybe not again today, but eventually. Because our permanent health and wealth are not why Jesus came. He had souls to save instead. And so Jesus says, hey, I've got other people to reach. That's why I came. And so they started on their way. And that's where our story today picks up. They're met with a leper. Maybe... Uh, a friend or a family member of someone who had just been healed at, uh, at Peter's house the night before. And, you know, he must have, have heard of Jesus' reputation as a, a healer and, and a worker of miracles. And he's probably thinking, uh, maybe this is my only chance to escape the awful consequences of this disease. And so he cries out, if you will, you, you can make me clean. Can you imagine the tension that hung in the air as the man waited to see what Jesus would do? Because he had really kind of put himself out there, hadn't he? I mean, what if Jesus would have said no? As he comes to Jesus literally begging to be healed. Healed from probably the worst disease imaginable in Jesus' day, leprosy. I mean, even the word struck fear in people's hearts because leprosy was incurable and its physical manifestations were disgusting to anybody that came nearby, revolting even to the victims that were suffering from it. Uh, and maybe worse than that, if you had it, it was considered by many at the time as proof that you must be the vilest kind of sinner and that God was punishing you as you watched your body slowly rot and you inched slowly toward a painful death. Cut off from your synagogue, cut off from your family, cut off from society, and really uh, from any human contact except for other lepers. And, and if you had it, you were re required by Jewish law to, to yell out, unclean, unclean. To anybody that was in earshot, for fear they would come near, they would get too close. And when you read the accounts, you can almost feel the desperation in, in the leper reflected in the way in which he asked Jesus. He, he begs him. And he kneels before him and he says, if you want to, if you want to, you can make me clean. And this is where we're told Jesus was moved with compassion. That's, that's probably the best translation of the Greek there, moved deeply or moved with compassion, but if you get a chance to look at it in an interlinear translation, the actual Greek phrase translates literally as he was turned over in the bowels. Jesus was turned over in the bowels. I mean, he, he felt, did you ever feel pity for someone that was like right in your gut? Right? Felt pity for this man right in the pit of his stomach. That's what it's describing here. It conveys the intensity of emotion that Jesus felt right to the very core of his being. And so Jesus reaches out 
And he touches this man. And that's a way bigger deal than you may realize because in, in, in that day and time, hands-on healing was almost unheard of. There's no mention of it in any rabbinical literature. It's not practiced in the Old Testament narratives. Uh, in most cases, there were just regulations for cures that had to do with prescribing uh, washing or, or quarantine or, or a patient being on dietary restrictions or special prayers or sacrifices, none of which involve actually touching that guy at all, especially not a leper. Because in the context of the culture of that first century, for any normal person, the act of touching a leper meant that person touching them contracted the leper's uncleanness, whether they got the actual disease or not. Just touching them was out of bounds. But not for Jesus. Not for the great physician who is the source of healing and who constantly takes the, the filth and, and the sin of this world and in its place, he gives back wholeness and healing. So, so touching a leper for Jesus was an act of compassion and he says to the man, I, I do. I do want to. I do want to make you clean. Be clean. And, and notice even in the midst of this great compassion, Jesus didn't just gloss over the fact that the man needed more than just physical healing. That's, that's why he sent him to the temple and to the priest. That's why he instructed him to follow the law of God and offer a sacrifice and seek repentance and hear the promise of forgiveness this wasn't the candy-coated sermons of the modern-day church that you're okay and, and I'm okay and God doesn't care that much anyway about how we live our lives. And that's why for us this Lenten season, we take the time to focus on our need both for physical and spiritual healing. And when we do, something happens. Jesus, our great physician, comes along and, and he says, I, I've got some bad news for you. News that teaches us to look at the inner causes of sin. And he says, uh, I've got a diagnosis for you. And it turns out you've got a heart condition. That's why he tells us later on in Mark, uh, he says, it's what comes from inside of you that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft and murder, adultery and greed and wickedness, and deceit. Lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, Jesus said, all these vile things come with, from within. They are what defile you. Later in John's first letter, he said, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. Because the truth is, as believers, even our best intentions are tainted by the disease of sin. In fact, Isaiah told us that in, in chapter 64. He said, We're all infected with the impurity of sin when we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags. They're like autumn leaves that wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. And hearing all of that, quite honestly, can be depressing. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story because the good news is there's a cure. But it's not a generic route. And you can't get it over the counter. Its cure is brand name only and there's no, there's no other way, there's no other prescription, there's no lower cost alternative to bring it about than through the stripes and wounds and blood of the Son of God. And not only is the cure unique and exclusive, but Christ, our wonderful physician, works like no doctor that you will ever see because he heals you by taking the sickness of his people upon himself. Right? He, he bears our sins. He's wounded and bruised for us, willing even to suffer death for you and for me. And so I want to close this evening meditation by asking you do, you, do you know 
that truth today in your own experience? Do you know that? That sin's forgiven mean that you're cured and that you're lifted up. That it means there's a, there's a more perfect healing ahead. There's a resurrection ahead. And it's for you if you're in Christ. And it's forever. It's as certain as Christ's own resurrection from the dead. And it's the only thing in the universe that can heal the disease of sin and remove its devastating consequences. Jesus' blood is the only thing that can overcome the darkness of our hearts. That can put us back in a right relationship with the Father through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit who takes us wounded and weary and who molds us and, and remakes us after His will and, and who touches us and heals us. Whomever He will. And He says to you, I will. Be clean. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank You that You were so willing. Willing enough that You came even when we didn't know anything about You. Willing to step into this world and to live and to die uh, that we might have a hope and a future uh, that we couldn't earn and that we don't deserve. And so we thank You for this opportunity, for this Lenten season, for this 40 days uh, to spend time, Father, contemplating not only our own mortality, but the beautiful eternity you've had planned for your people. And so we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.